Well, I decided to bring you out to our deck um, for this next teaching. Uh, we've had here in Virginia a really kind of cool summer uh, for at least the last week, and we've been spending a lot of time on our deck, so I thought I'd bring you out here. We're just going to have a little get-together around our back deck table, just a little informal chat here like we've been having. This teaching is, is going to be about coming together for prayer, praying together with other people. And uh, I've, I've done this. I've, I've, I've spent a lot of time uh, praying with other people. In fact, uh, for the last 20 years of my ministry, uh, one of the things that I used to do and still do a great deal is uh, citywide prayer, uh, where my job was not just to pastor a local church, but to bring other pastors and also prayer, praying people together throughout the city to pray over the city. So I've seen a lot of together prayer, people coming together to agree in prayer. Um, but I've also seen a lot of abuse of prayer during my time because I've, sp I've spent so much time in prayer meetings. And, uh, you know, what, what, what do I mean? Well, Here's a pastor who says, O oh God, I thank thee that thou hast said in thy word, and then there follows a 10-minute sermon that he's prepared, which is really for the people in the room. It's not a prayer at all. It's just a sermon disguised as a prayer. And you can, you can kind of tell that pastor really has no prayer life of his own, um, that he thinks that he's praying, but he's not praying. He's preaching. Um, or just a person who is so full of complaints, you know, it sounds like the people of Israel coming out of Egypt and they can't think of anything good to say, but they're just complaining to God the whole time. Or just someone who's so desperate for attention, so needing to have people um, pay attention to him and, and say good things to him that he'll just go on and on and on in prayer, just loves being the one who's the center of attention, and he'll just pray as long a prayer as he can because it just feels so good. Well, this is just a, the beginning of some examples of the abuse of prayer, which is probably the reason why Jesus said, when you pray, don't pray like them. And he was speaking about the prayer leaders of Israel at, at the time. And, he, and that's why he said the best way to learn prayer is to go shut the door in your personal prayer place. Uh, other people don't belong there. We've, al we've already talked about that. But, but he also spoke in Matthew 18 about a future day. Now, Jesus himself did not pray together with anybody as far as we know. Um, even his prayer at, the, uh, at Gethsemane at the end where he said, won't you pray with me for an hour? And, uh, and yet when you track that experience that he had where he had his disciples with him, he still left them in one place of the garden and he went off by himself. So it was still just Jesus and Father God. Um, so you don't even get a Christian huddle, you know, they're not putting their arms around each other and praying together, standing together uh, by any means. Um, but here's in Matthew 18, a chapter about the church. Now, Jesus 
didn't use the word church except in this one place and one other place. Almost the whole of the teaching of Jesus is about the kingdom. But here's the one chapter about the church. It's kind of a prophetic looking into the future, in other words. And, and he says, where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I in the midst of them. And then where two or more agree as touching anything on earth, it will be done for them by my Father. So it's, it's like in the future, you're going to be coming together and you're going to be praying together. And I want you to learn how to agree in prayer together in the church. So this is something that we, we really need to address. And we need to address the problems that are inherent in this, um, which Jesus himself addresses, okay? And the way he addressed it is by providing for us a pattern of prayer for when we're together. I believe that most church prayer meetings are insufferably boring because the Christians in those prayer meetings don't even realize that Jesus gave them a pattern to follow. And so they're not following the pattern. And, uh, and, and they're abusing prayer in all these different ways. So what I call Christian prayer is prayer that follows the pattern of Christ. So um, it, it makes a big difference whether you do or don't follow the pattern that Jesus gave to us for this very thing. Um, in fact, uh, you, you compare this with uh, like the, the Kansas City International House of Prayer where my wife and I did an internship some years ago. And uh, here's Mike Bickle leading this amazing prayer ministry, bringing people together to pray together. And it's so successful that he's literally trained thousands and thousands of people in this kind of prayer. Um, most of them young people who aren't going to put up with those church prayer meetings, but they're excited about the real thing. And so Mike's teaching them, well, what's the difference between this kind of prayer over here, uh, where, which is attracting people from all over the world, they have to do their, their uh, uh, internships uh, in eight languages, um, it's just an amazing place, attractive, fascinating. Um, and then the, these other kinds of prayer, which, which are the opposite. And, and the difference is Mike has learned and taught people how to follow the pattern of sound teaching in the Word of God. Okay, so uh, let, let me just say a, a, a word about this. That um, because so much of our teaching uh, is going to be about patterns, that Jesus wants us to follow patterns. It's not a set of rules, although I'm not against rules. Sometimes rules have been very important, uh, especially in teaching prayer. There was the rule of St. Benedict way back at the beginning when the Benedictine movement was a very positive thing. It followed uh, a set of rules um, that they expected people to follow. But this is yet different from that. It's a pattern that Jesus teaches and follows. But his right now, his, his teaching is going to be called the Lord's Prayer. And uh, even though he didn't have people pray together, the teaching is the pattern for the time that 
um, people would be coming together. And the clue about that is it starts out with the word our, our Father, who art in heaven, who are in heaven. Um, it, in other words, this is not my Father for the private time, but this is our Father. So it's for together prayer. It's the pattern that he wants us to learn every time we come together for prayer. So what is that pattern? It has five pieces to it, and the order is important. In other words, uh, starting with where he starts and uh, moving through and ending where he ends. It's important. That's what a pattern is. It's like he's, he's being our, our father. It's like uh, he's the everlasting father. And you know the way a child learns is by looking at the father and imitating the p pattern. And the father will say, well, do it this way. And, and the, the child learns by following patterns. And so everything we're going to teach is, is a pattern of some kind in this series. This is the way we believe we're supposed to be learning, is from the father, Jesus. Um, maybe that's a little confusing to you. Jesus is the son and God is the Father, and then there's the Holy Spirit. But now we're talking about the way Jesus relates to us, and he has a fatherly way about him. Okay, so that's, uh, he is our everlasting Father, as it says in Isaiah. So we're, we're going to be learning from him, a loving Father teaching his little child uh, how to do it right, and it's by pattern. And this is a pattern, and it starts with, Hallowed be thy name. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. So this is, this is a worship beginning. It's honoring, it's expressing who God is and uh, recognizing that he is great. We are not. He is holy. We are not. He is loving. We are not. It's, it's an honoring of God at the beginning. And so it's worship, starting with worship always starting with worship. God inhabits the praises of his people. And so this is a way we have of inviting God to inhabit our prayer times uh, with him. So um, Mike Bickle um, did this with his people by introducing the harp and bowl style of prayer. So let me describe that to you because it's what Carla and I use virtually every time we lead a group in prayer. Um, it starts with worship. And uh, the word harp uh, is based on Revelation 5, verse 8, and also 8, verse 5. Uh, the harp is taken from David, who played the harp. He was the psalmist, mean psalmist, uh, writer of the psalms. And um, the harp stands for praise. It stands for worship with your lips, with song, and in uh, other ways of just honoring God. And so harp stands for worship, and bowl uh, goes back to the way that the Jews in the temple would have a bowl of incense just in front of the great uh, curtain in the holy place, and the priest would light that uh, uh, incense in the bowl and out of the incense there would be the smoke that would stand for the prayers of Israel. And so the bowl stands for the prayers of God's people. 
So what harp and bowl style of prayer is, you start with worship, you move to prayer. Then you move back into worship and you move back into prayer. And it's, so it's a cyclical pattern where we never get too far away from worship. In other words, the focus is on God and not just on ourselves. And we're never moving too far away from just honoring God. Uh, uh, the, the first commandment, you know, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Well, you never get too far away from that. So that's where we begin every time. Every time we come together, we don't come in and we start listing all of our needs. Instead, we come and we just worship him for a season, for a while. All right, then the second thing, the second ingredient now, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so the focus is not on our list of needs and all of our complaints and problems that we have. The focus of prayer is on the kingdom of God. So right here, Jesus is assuming that we are following the teaching from a little bit earlier. If you seek first my kingdom and my righteousness, then I will provide all these other things for you. It's, it's, it sort of right, exudes right through the Sermon on the Mount and all of his teaching that uh, he's assuming that we've started with a surrender of our lives and we are devoting ourselves to his kingdom purpose, not just in prayer, but our whole lives are devoted to that. So um, prayer is coming out of a life that's in covenant relationship with God where we're working for him and he's working for us. So our part is to seek first his kingdom, and that's what we're going to do in prayer. So um, the way Mike Bickle did this was to introduce um, a way of praying scripture. Now, he was very strict about this at first, and what he did was he, uh, he made a, uh, an actual uh, sheet Key Apostolic Intercessory Prayers. It's one sheet on both sides. So, for example, here's uh, from Romans 15. Now may the God of patience and comfort grant you to be like-minded toward one another, according to Christ Jesus, that you may with one mind and one mouth glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is an apostolic prayer. It's a prayer that came from the Apostle Paul, in the scriptures. So the way he would put it is God's already uh, signed his name on the, on the bottom of this one. So when you co-sign it, you know, it has that authority of God and his church, which is what we want to attain. We want to pray the way Jesus did, where he's, he said, I don't pray anything on my own, but only what the Father is doing, what, what I see the Father doing, um, that's what I pray, that's what I do. And, um, and so the whole purpose of Jesus in prayer is to pursue the Father's will. Okay, so that's, that's, where, that's where we're at here with uh, the, the Lord's Prayer. It's the pattern that he wants for us to pray every time we get together in prayer. We're seeking God's will. Um, and I'm not quite so strict, you know, as, as when Carla and I get together and pray with other people, 
we basically say, let's try to pray scripture. And so virtually any scripture can become a prayer. Um, Virtually any scripture can become a prayer. But I've got a whole bunch of of scriptures that I've underlined during my my times uh, when I'm in my quiet time. And the Lord interprets that scripture to me at the time. And all I have to do is open my Bible and here are these scriptures that that are already in my heart. And I'll just pray that, I'll just read the scripture and pray it right there. No longer than a a single verse or two. Um, I'm not saying pray long scriptures. I'm saying pray short, brief scriptures. But once you've read the scripture, then you can pray that scripture. And, you know, this really, you really get the feeling like you're touching God's heart and God's touching your heart and he's bringing you into more and more of his will and your prayer begins to have authority. That's what we're aiming for. We want to have authoritative prayers. And when when a group of people is praying like that and they're more and more binding themselves together around the will of God and God sees that you know they're they're really wanting to come together and pray God's heart. He will give them uh, assignments in prayer, and pretty soon you got these people, maybe four or five people together, and they're really nailing an assignment uh, of prayer. But it usually is in relationship to something God has revealed through His Word, and that kind of prayer is really quite exciting. Um, Then the third element of this, give us this day our daily bread. All right, and here's where we can pray our own needs. But it comes after seeking first his kingdom. So he has a right. We're children of God. We're not slaves, but we're children. And we we have a right to ask him for the things that we need. And as we have come to him to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, he will then in turn fulfill his end of the covenant by fulfilling our needs as we come and ask him. Then forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors or forgive us our sins as we forgive those who've sinned against us. And here again we see it's a covenant. Uh, the The whole of the Christian life is a covenant where we do something, um, God does something, we do something, God does something. It's a covenant relationship where he's saying, yeah, um, I'll forgive your sins if you forgive the sins of others. It's like there's a a circle of grace, um, and, and we stand in that grace when we come to Christ and we receive his forgiveness for all of our sins, and, and we have this grace from God. But the way we stay in the circle is by offering that same grace to everybody else around us, you know, and that's, that's the challenge. That is, especially with people you're living with, you know, the, the, the closer you live with somebody, the more friction there is. And, and sure enough, oftentimes it's the people in your own, own household who you have the hardest time forgiving, and yet here God is saying, for us to forgive. And sometimes, you know, as we pray, uh, my wife and I, we've had to talk out some issues from, from living together, child-rearing issues and issues in our relationship, and get to that place of, of 
forgiveness and asking forgiveness of each other. But this is really an important piece of the process. It's a, it's a part of the pattern of sound teaching. And we cannot afford to ignore it. It's going to um, really destroy our prayer life if we have unforgiven sins around us um, that we haven't worked through. And, and so finally, the fifth element, thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. And uh, this is like cycling back. Do you see that? It's like we're, we're moving back out of this area of uh, personal need and back into focusing on Christ. And so um, the, the goodness and the love of God and the greatness of God, that's where we should end our prayer together every time. It's the pattern. And uh, we don't really have the right to just take the pieces of the pattern that we think would be good. Um, it's a pattern that he gave us because it's always good. It's meant for us and it's, it's a pretty good thing when we stick to the pattern and it's most likely to lead to really, really good prayer times when we come together. Let me just say one more thing. Um, if, I, if I can remember uh, that there's, at the beginning I mentioned how difficult it is to pray together, and yet mo for most of us, praying together is the way we learn prayer. Uh, now, how do, you, how do you learn something when you don't have anybody to learn from? Uh, most of the things we learn in the Christian life are best learned from mentors, from people who are more mature, they'll work with us, and, and we'll, we'll learn from, from them. Um, but here Jesus is saying, don't, you don't need any mentors. You just need to have the Father. You need to be with the Father by yourself. And, and how, do, how, do you, how do you get around that? Because um, we sort of do need mentors in prayer if we're going to learn quickly. Well, here's the way um, my wife and I dealt with that issue. We, we decided more or less together that we were going to take prayer more seriously than we ever had. We were going to to receive a burden for prayer that would last for the rest of our lives. And uh, we, we agreed that it was going to be early morning prayer, but we also saw that uh, this very thing, you know, that part of our time needs to be by ourselves with the Lord, not praying together. So we would just get each other up at, a, at an agreed-upon time and... Um, we would be separate in prayer for the first half of our quiet time. That way, we're, it, it's becoming real. Our, our, our time with God is real, and we're, we're learning how to do this. We might, when we come together, we might say, how was your prayer time? Oh, not so good. It was, And then we'd, we'd address these issues with each other, help each other on a little bit, and then we'd spend some time praying together. And I've found that that way of mixing uh, uh, alone time with together time works pretty good. It, it has the best of both worlds in it. So I don't know if you have a spouse or a prayer partner, um, usually someone of the same sex. Um, that's what they've learned 
for years and years and years, clear back to the early days, um, back in the first, second, and third century, um, they would they would encourage one another, even going clear back to the the early hermitages that became the monasteries. But basically, they would they would they would form themselves together, but spend most of their time in private. That's why the, the word that's where the word monastery came from. The word monastery comes from the word mono, which means one. And so, even though they were together in community. They spent most of their time privately with God. Yet there was time for comparing notes. You see what I'm saying? There was a time for being together also and, and being in uh, edifying relationship um, for the good of the whole community or for the good of just that prayer partnership. So this is the pattern that I believe works. and. In the, in the future teaching, in the series of teachings that we're going to be doing, we're going to be sharing a lot more about patterns, and I'm kind of excited about that. I'm, I'm excited that prayer is the first pattern that we've been able to look at, but there's just so many other patterns. And the whole point of these patterns is Jesus came that we might have an abundant life, and that's what we're going to find if we follow the patterns.